0: The Discovery 947 Ride Joburg Podcast. And now, it's The Coffee Stop with Jenny Green. Welcome to The Coffee Stop with me, Jenny Green. Joined this week by a local hero, multiple South African cross-country champion on the mountain bike and all-round good gal, uh, Robin de Groot joins us. Um, welcome, Robs. Lucky to see you again. <laughs> In, indeed. Indeed. Uh, hot off the win, uh, snack. At the end, uh, in Cape Town, uh, with, the, with the FNB Wines to Wales, wonderful to have you uh, at your local haunt here in George at a lovely little boutique coffee shop. Yeah, I thought it would be great to have a chat specifically around our sort of women's series that we've been doing. Um, to have you have a chat with us primarily around the women's side of things you've just confirmed that you are indeed coming up for our Discovery 947 mountain bike event it's like an exciting move for us we're up at um, Stain City this year for the first time so we've added quite a few little bits and pieces in Stain City of some nice hand cut single trail and fun stuff Great to have you back, and you've had a whirlwind year. The last time we saw you in Joburg was, as I say, to take the title, but after that you had a bit of a, a bumpy couple of months, getting some health issues sorted out. Tell us a bit about that and what your beginning part of your year was.
1: Yeah, I guess the final race for 2018 was obviously the 947 mountain bike. Yes. And I knew what lay ahead. It was kind of still a question mark whether I would go ahead with the surgery
0: or not. Tell everybody what that surgery was and why it was necessary, and sort of how you got to the point that you got to?
1: Basically, I experienced a lot of, and I guess it was a progressive thing, so maybe it wasn't uh, noticeable straight away. So now, in hindsight, how I feel on the bike now, it had been hindering my riding for a long time without realising. But, yeah, I basically got a burning sensation down my leg, um, from my glutes, down the hamstring and into my calf, and... It actually became very painful and it happened during training sometimes but mainly during racing um, and I just really hacked around looking for a diagnosis for two years and lost, lost a lot of time in that sense. It was really a frustrating period and really tough physically but also I think just the mental and psychological side. By last year this time I was pretty much uh, ready to hang up my bike if I wasn't going to have the surgery. Yeah, and then I remember discussing um, with yourselves mm-hmm. after the race whether I would. And yeah, it was quite a, a battle. But Discovery did come on board and help me out with my surgery to have it in Holland. Obviously, I had to justify why I needed to see those specialists. And I mean, these guys specialize in blood flow problems. So that's ideally what it was. And it's
0: it's obviously quite a, quite a cycling-specific thing. So, you know, to do it where you've got top surgeons who are dealing with it day in and day out, you know, Obviously, a lot of cyclists, I mean, I'm hearing more and more every day of people who have had this this surgery done. I mean, it it is and can be a life-threatening procedure. So, as you said, it was a hell of a a thing to get to that point of deciding to retire or, you know, or have that surgery. So, you know, you had the surgery, you've done the hard yards working back and, you know, landed up, obviously, after a lot of training and effort and, you know, putting back in, landing up on a podium at a World Champs. I mean, that's got to be a massive highlight for you, especially after going, going through that. Tell us a little bit about
1: that. I guess it also hasn't sunk in yet. I I don't think. It's just been a really busy period. But, um, yeah, just having missed out on the first half of the year with the recovery, uh, my coach and I decided, well, let's have a goal and let's make it worlds. Go big or go home. Yeah. And um, just came together perfectly. I can't really... Obviously, I worked hard, but I also found good balance between... Life and cycling, and I think by not having pain and not having this injury, I've just enjoyed my cycling so much more. Yeah, so no, it was really a special moment. Um, it was special to share those moments with Barry as well. He came out to watch, and Pauline and I have also walked the same journey. I think our surgery was three or four days apart. That's incredible. Same coach. So Barry really, yeah, he researched he the rehab he really put in effort as to how he can get us both back and
0: I think he really did very really well <laughs> yeah. You were very um, fortunate to have a really great sponsor step up and, and sign you, you know, not really understanding where you were going to go if it, the recovery was going to be good or bad I mean, that's quite a, quite a big for them yeah. to sort of back you from the word go
1: I think that's also helped a lot I mean, people questioned whether I would make it back I didn't but I respected people's thoughts on that, but the fact that they stepped up and took me on board before I had even made it back, I was really just starting to race again, it just shows you that they had faith in me, and I think that also gave me a little bit of a breather, obviously it was a tough financial year, not having an income also, medical aid covers to an, a degree, but to, to get overseas and also after the surgery, hang around for so long it was a costly exercise but it was looking now, Best investment ever. And, yeah, thanks to Domacarbe for stepping up and yeah, for sure. taking me on board. For sure.
0: So. <laughs> From a, a woman's point of view, we're starting to see—I well, wouldn't say a decrease in numbers, but certainly a flattening out of women's participation in the road race and the mountain bike race. And there are obvious socio-economic sort of factors that contribute towards that. And I think that's not necessarily a South African problem. I think it's a, an international problem. Women generally are nervous to be on their bikes in traffic. You know, certainly moms, particularly who see a vulnerability where they could lose limbs or worse their life and their kids are left without them and all of those daunting things that sort of hang around in people's minds. So I would say, even internationally, that's a huge barrier to entry. I think if I look at the mountain bike side, I would probably say the most daunting thing for women is obviously the technical side of of mountain biking and, and the perceived sort of skill level required to to kind of take on a mountain bike ride. So you had the same sort of thing. You sort of transitioned from road riding to mountain bike. And clearly when you started mountain bike, you didn't have the level of skill you have now. How did you sort of bleed into that? And how did you overcome those fears? And were you scared to fall? Were you scared to tackle new things? How did you deal with that? I think trying to help ordinary women in their day-to-day lives, how to... Break that into bite-sized chunks and say, "This is great fun. I'm not on the road. I'm away from cars. How do I upskill myself?
1: How do I get to the point where I'm not scared of falling?" Well, certainly, when I transitioned from road to mountain bike, I was kind of thrown in the deep end. Yeah, I kind of joined my dad's cycling group at the time, and the goal was to do Joe to see together. <laughs> yes, go um, big or go home. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just remember my first rides. Like they took me on the most technical ride probably I've ever done in Joburg and it still is one of the most technical rides and they just thought like okay you're a cyclist you know what you're doing and like they were jumping pavements and I was like kind of like oh my goodness this is going to (laughs) be stressful and for sure I was stressed Um, I was scared of falling but I'd also had a lot of crashes on the road fortunately um, not too many incidents with cars and things like that but in in all honesty from a safety perspective the mountain biking your crashes are generally your own fault and mm. um, it's not caused by anybody else yes. you're actually in a pretty safe environment so it's just to know your limits and really to I would say join groups um, of more experienced riders that are willing to give you advice like tire pressures make a huge difference to your stability and yeah just to ride with someone slightly above your level yes. just to continually grow follow and, their lines yeah. learn how they yeah and if you do a line and, and you're not happy with or you're having to get off and walk or, mm. You know, go back don't carry on riding go back and try again and if you fall you're probably going about 3 kilometres an hour mm. and it's okay like, it's not full. you, you do relatives. generally generally they're okay the thing is just to actually go out and just enjoy it and see yeah, it as a challenge and yeah. relax Yeah, lean into it <laughs> and um, I can highly recommend I know there are a lot of women out there that are giving skills clinics mm. at the moment maybe women are more Comfey. comfy with that mm. and there are people um, so I just highly recommend no matter where you live. To look mm-hmm. for, giving based skills clinics yeah. um, in your area, and yeah. yeah, I mean even myself, I could go for skills clinics on a regular basis because yeah. you can always learn. Cheapest, I don't so. know the speed you rode that
0: mountain bike race last year. I was, we were just chatting about that over our, over our coffee now, saying when you race, you don't know the course, you go full taps. And whatever may come your way, you kind of just deal with. And I suppose that's kind of a little bit what life is like to some degree for most people. But I think once you've got some skills and some tools in how to deal with, you know, what might come, come your way, it, it, certainly does, it certainly does help. I think the other thing is, you know, learning to ride with people around you as well. I think historically problems we have in, in events of this size is if you're not able to ride something, get off and walk kind of out the way or so you don't, you know, create these bottleneck problems that tend to happen when you've got a single track and a lot of riders. So um, I think there's sort of some almost etiquettes as well that you could probably learn on, on these skills clinics that kind of would help you through those sorts of things. But I think as you say Ride, ride it, do dirt lots. Be loose into the into the feeling of it, and just sort of upskill yourself as you go
1: along. Yeah, so. definitely worth it. And yeah, like you say, on the single tracks with traffic, I think as soon as you hear somebody behind you and it freaks a yeah, lot of people out panics, yeah. so rather just pull mm. off to the left mm. Mm. let them pass right and mm. carry on at your own pace mm. rather than mm. trying to increase your pace yes. because that's yes. I we'll mean for us way. we've yeah. also seen that sometimes if we start behind a group or a batch and we catch people we put pressure on people and mm. that's when the crashes yeah. happen so yeah. the best is just Chance like the pressure. as long yeah. as you just pull off quickly mm. get going again mm. at your own pace mm. I think and the mountain bikers are pretty friendly. Yeah. So, yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? How
0: how they definitely are a different breed of, of friendly and of... There's almost the A-type kind of... We joke about it, the colour coding and how, you know, A-type and anal everyone is on the road and everything's got to match and it's got to be this and, and the mountain bikers are completely opposite and I think that's the other thing is bring your smile, bring your fun side and yeah. just enjoy the trails. You know, everyone's out there to do the same thing. It's, it creates a nice environment when everyone's happy and smiling and being kind. It is definitely a big one. Robs the other thing I wanted to ask you about was like what is a typical day like for you training wise I think you're one of the lucky few or the privileged few or work hard enough few not don't know where it sort of lands up but that you don't have to have another job you know running parallel a lot of women do I think that's a massive part of it but how much of your training are you spending on the bike how much are you spending in the gym how over the top are you with your eating with putting your legs up with You know, not walking if you don't have to, that sort of stuff. Tell us what a typical sort of day is like for you. I mean, I know there's period hours training and all of those things, but what is normal for you?
1: Like you say, it varies depending on where you are in the season, but generally I like to get my training done first thing, if possible. I used to be one of these people that rose with the sunrise and kind of got out and to be back before midday Um, but I've also I think over this past year realized the importance of sleep so I have found I've slept a lot it must have made a positive uh, difference Um, yeah and then after training it's probably about one of these people that's quite pedantic about my equipment so if it's dirty I must say you are yeah, one of the equipment. most incredible
0: people I've met with washing your bike <laughs>
1: um, yeah it just I don't know it's just the must thing to keep things dirty and uh, or let them stay their way and then from there it's generally just nutrition, I'm not super tight on nutrition and I uh, just follow kind of eating plan what makes me feel good. I tend to make decisions based on yeah, what makes my body feel better than mm. other foods. But that's not to say that if I get invited out and I have a, a meal that's not what I would usually choose, that I wouldn't have that. Mm. I've also learned to kind of be loose in that regard. I think it also just creates less stress. Mm. Um, but definitely just to eat as natural as possible. Um, I drink a lot of coffee. I was going to yes, say, you've got a good diet of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so actually before training there's always maybe three cups yeah. of coffee. Yeah, and then afternoons. On, before training three cups wowzers wowzers that's hectic I thought I was bad wow and then after training Uh, maybe one maybe one (laughs) yeah and then afternoons I allocate to admin and gym work if necessary otherwise sometimes a second training session depending on the season and where we're at certain days massage in the afternoon yeah and then stretching and core you just can't neglect that so before you know it and you've done all, of, all the day of the above, it's time to get dinner ready and start. Just, yeah, yeah. the days are busy, um, but I do remember days where I worked and mountain yeah, biked in conjunction. Yep. I had great results that way as well. At that point, I wasn't earning a salary for cycling, mm. so I did it that way. And I actually balanced life pretty well. I mean, yeah, I think it is possible there are a lot of people that also balance work, mm. and I'm just very privileged at the moment um, to be able to focus yeah, on the side. it's happening. funny, I mean, it
0: shouldn't be privileged, should it? Because you're a top-level athlete okay. and you deserve as much as the next person, male, female, you know, green, purple, black, whatever it ends up being. But I think that wheel is definitely turning and I see, pardon the pun, I do see slowly it's coming right where we've got more and more women salaried for what they're doing, you know, yeah, and performing on the bike. And the more you pour yourself into that, the more results come from it naturally. So yeah. interesting to see that happening.
1: I mean, it's a big thing. Um, sponsorships are hard to find. I realized that as well this year, the economy is tight. And yeah, we also, I guess, we look after races. Races look after our sponsors and it's a circle. Like I yeah. said, everybody looks after each other and make sure that we're all feeding into the same sport mm. that we love. Mm. So, I'm trying to grow it. <laughs>
0: There's one other thing which is concerning for me. A is an organizer, B as a woman. And, and that is, where is our pool of youngsters coming from? What are we doing as cycling, mountain biking in your case, to make the sport appealing to teenage girls, you know, to say, yes, that looks like fun, I want to go and do that. And there is a career possibility, you know.
1: It is quite scary and it definitely is a problem. Um, I have seen that, yeah, it's few and far between. Mm. And yeah, it's hard to really, I don't want to point fingers, uh, but there is a shortage. Um, What I have seen, and I can only really comment from the mountain bike side, is just keeping an eye on the Spur Mountain Bike League. I think that's a fantastic initiative. No, I was at school
0: for doing it. I mean, yeah, they've been doing exactly. it
1: for so long. And I hope they continue well, yeah, because absolutely. the worth in that is far beyond that which anyone really realizes. So they play a major role for the youngsters. Mm. Mm. I see now, let's say for instance, that there's a varsity Wines to Wales happening this week, currently, as I speak. Um, that's fantastic to bring the varsity sport because those then would be the ones that step up Um, so they being acknowledged I guess they would be getting sort of prize money Mm. and things like that or whatever the acknowledgement and maybe getting seen to be picked up by sponsors so they get the opportunities But our federation could do far more. Just from my experience, um, this year it was completely self-funded, everything. I had to wet wipe my kit down at Worlds because that's all I had for the podium. And these are things that people don't realize. And I realize there are people at the federation that are putting in a lot of their personal time. It's a lot of its voluntary work. Um, But I've also been playing a little bit of golf, so this is a little bit of the subject. And... Just chatting to the national coach of the golf for South Africa. Um, they've got it right. So yeah. why not go and look at the sport? What are we not looking of at? Of yes. This um, sport. I would say, they say cycling is the new golf, but, <laughs> but the federations from nine years are too much And now. yeah, just. Um, They've definitely got a, a structure that we should look at um, and see whether we can't tear something in over the years to start bringing in the youngsters. Yeah, oh no, something's definitely got to be done. I mean, yeah,
0: I hear you not wanting to point fingers, and yes, there are some people in in good places, and I think trying to get to things. But you know, we've we've got to make a big, big change in a big way very soon. Otherwise, we're gonna just fall off that. You know, of that um, level of, of being able to produce riders,
1: either to play on an international stage or, or even here. It's you know? the national level, yeah. And cycling is expensive. I mean, yeah, it's, sure. um, So I see a lot of the school kids here, and um, the varsity um, youngsters. You know, they've been funded a lot of the time by their families. Mm. And sure, it's it's pricey. I yeah, mean, I was going to say it's not sustainable, is it? It's very me. yeah. It's really hard to mm. to get your Your child in that position, so yeah, just um, and equally to to disadvantaged kids who can't, you know, don't have a family who can afford those sorts of things. Yeah, it's really tough.
0: We could sit and probably chat for about four (laughs) hours about how to make that right. Robs, it's been great to chat to you and have a cup of coffee with you. Um, Not that we ever need an excuse, but in closing, if you can sort of impart a tip or two for some ladies who might be a bit nervous about maybe this is their first ride, 25k and we get a lot of newbies on the 25er even on the 55, you know, any pearls of wisdom that you could share would be super.
1: Yeah, so firstly, tire pressure, I know Joburg can be quite loose and sandy. Mm. Let's hope we don't have mud like this previous weekend, but um, yeah, when it's loose and Sandy, I would definitely just check tyre pressures, they really don't need to be like road cycling tyres, it really needs to have a bit of suspension, a bit more grip then they tend to not slide. So it's definitely worth training like that with slightly softer tyres and just getting a feel. Used to it, yeah. Try and go for a ride. The bike, the bike does react differently. I mean, when you almost feel like the tyres are deflating and you're kind of
0: you a puncher and you kind of... You're a and you're yeah, kind
1: of you feel react. a bit bouncy mm. when you pedal as well. There's a slight bounce compared mm. to when your tyres are too hard. But you'll be thankful for the grip that it gives you. And you, you can go faster. Some of these mountain bike tyres actually roll faster that way. Yeah, that's how yeah, they're designed. designed so, yeah. tyre pressure is a big factor in confidence. Mm. And if I think of how I used to approach a race, my first mountain bike races was kind of like, just keep moving forward. Mm. Doesn't matter how. Mm. If you're pedaling, you're pedaling. If it's too technical, walk. Nobody's judging you. And just the thing, yourself. isn't it? I
0: think yeah. Yeah. people think that people are, are judging you. them, but actually, yeah it's your race it's all about you and your enjoyment and I think it's a massive part of what mountain biking is it's great fun you're so busy concentrating that you actually don't a, realize how far you've gone, or B, how fast, how hard you're working. So enjoy it, you know. As yeah. I said earlier, enjoy the camaraderie and yeah, people exactly. around exactly. I
1: think that's the best. And in terms of if you're going to tackle a technical section, they always say hesitation is devastation. So you oh, either like it tackle it confidently <laughs> yes. with good speed. And trust but the back. Generally, you need a good speed to, mm. to go over obstacles. And if you're not confident, rather walk it. Mm. There's really no issue. It's actually sometimes not even that much faster to ride it. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Agreed. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us, Robs. And we look forward to seeing you up in Joburg. Cool. In next week. Good grief. Mm-hmm. It's upon us. Hopefully, we're going to get some rain this weekend in Joburg, so it'll compact the trails nicely and make them a little bit less dry and loose. And yeah, I think prepare for a hot day. Joburg, it certainly is. And we'll see you there. Catch you there. Awesome. Thanks, thanks, thanks Robs for listening to the Discovery 947 Ride Joe podcast Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review it on your favourite podcast app LivePodcasts.fm.